might be surprised to know that that's an Avril Lavigne song. I actually think it's going to end up getting a lot of playtime because people feel that way about a lot of things in life. But we're talking about work. We're in a series where we're talking about your work. And if, if I would recount um, conversations I've had with people, I would say uh, that that sense of um, keep my head above water, don't let me drown, gets connected to work all the time. I actually made uh, a list of different things that I've heard from people um, that make me think, man, people carry a lot of heartburn and stress, a lot of concern over their work. Uh, things like, I regret the major that I did in college, and I'm too old to go back and redo it. I think I, think I really should have done this other thing with my life. But instead of being able to do that, I just simply now go with uh, some level of regret and do my job. I've heard others um, express a sense of um, not having value for the work that they do. There's no point to it. There's no purpose to it. It just pays the bills. They're just kind of on cruise control. And maybe they heard that from friends and family, but sometimes you get it from yourself. You've told yourself that what you do is kind of meaningless and the work becomes drudgery for you. Feels like you're just trying to keep your head above water. I've heard people talk about having teammates or work environments that are just toxic to them and they don't know how long they can stay there. They don't know how long, like should I push through? Should I leave? Should I, I don't know what I can do to deal with this environment that I'm in. And they have a sense of stress that goes with them when they go to work. Others um, feel that pressure trying to figure out their career. They're 16 to 22 years old, and they're, they've looked at me and go, how am I supposed to pick the occupation I want for the rest of my life? I'm gonna go take a major, and that's what I'm gonna do? And uh, they're frustrated by that. And what I tell them sometimes is just wait until you're 47, or I had a conversation after the second service or after the first service with a couple that said, oh no, we're trying to figure out what we're gonna do with our lives and we're 60 and they weren't joking. They're like, it's frustrating. Like we thought we were on a path and now we're in a different place and we don't know what we're supposed to do. And that sense of angst. Talk to some people who feel like they might need to take a risk like they, they know they've got to do something different. It's not going really well where they're at. But they cannot bring themselves to make the leap. Because the reasoning goes, I know I might be in the frying pan, but there's a chance that if I got out of this, I would just get into the fire. So I'm going to stay with this thing that I know, even if it's killing me, rather than make a change. Talk to some people who feel like they haven't been rewarded properly. They haven't, they haven't been given a raise. They haven't been recognized. And they go to work with a sense of bitterness about what they're doing. They don't enjoy it. One ounce of it, they just do it, feeling like they've been shortchanged. Uh, um, I look at this, all of these things that we sometimes feel, and I think about this song that they just sang, the sense that... Um, God, can you keep me from drowning? Can you keep my head above water? Can you come and rescue me? And I think people 
make that prayer about their work. And I think it's possible that God could come along and pluck you out and put you in a different circumstance. He's more than capable of doing that. But I think he rarely does it. And I think one of the reasons he rarely does it is because God has a different view of work. He has a high view of work. He believes it's possible for you to find meaning, purpose, and value in whatever work that you do. Like as a being who was created in God's image, you were created as a creative being who's a builder. This is what God was. You were given these kind of things, and you have the ability to go out and do that kind of stuff in a way that honors God. And we have these opportunities, and they kind of get past us. Our, it's kind of a mixed bag, I would say. Our activity of being a creative beings who build is, there's, there's been some good successes. Like, uh, for instance, the wheel. Not bad, right? That's, that's from Mesopotamia. Um, that's a, a 5,500-year-old wheel. I love them. It allowed us to go to Indy and back this weekend for our grandson's birthday. Big fan of wheels, right? Um, how about... God's gift to mankind, oh yeah, that's a good one, right? If you don't like pizza, I'm, I apologize, God will fix you in heaven. Um, and then we have stuff like the nuclear bomb, like not our best, right? Not our, not our best efforts, and it, it's kind of almost as destructive, um, the Kim Kardashian fan page, right? destroying minds and souls all over the world. Well, um, our ability to create, our ability to build is suspect. We have issues with it. And uh, we even see that early in the scriptures. I took you into the scriptures last week. And I showed you that God made mankind in his image and then gave three simple instructions. So listen, I want you to increase I want you to fill the earth, and I want you to subdue it. Not in a dominating sort of way, but I want you to take all the resources that I'm gonna supply to you, and I want you to do good works of this. I want you to represent me in the world in a way that honors God. And a lot of people, and we saw it early on in the text, Genesis 11, this group of people gets these instructions, and they do the opposite of everything that God wanted. They decided not to increase. They decided to huddle in a city, and they decided they would build something for their own name. They chose a low view of work. The, the work that God had given them to subdue, they decided to reject it. And rejecting God's plan for our life can lead to very destructive things. I want to show you what it looks like. Um, from the perspective of Solomon. Solomon's writing me in Ecclesiastes 2.17, and I think he's expressing a low view of work as he writes this. He says, so I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it's meaningless, a chasing after the wind. This idea that it would be meaningless, of no value, that's a low view of work where He's like, I don't know what the point of this all is. And in fact, if you will go about life this way, where it's just drudgery, you're just doing your time, it can lead to you actually hating your life. It's kind of how he expresses it right here. 
It's a low view of work. Whereas God says, no, 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 no. I believe you were created to work. There's value, meaning, and purpose in it. It's part of this thing I told you to do of go subduing. You're gonna represent me through the way that you work, which leaves you with some choices. You, you do have them. You could decide that your work is just gonna be this thing that you put up with until you get to the end of your life and you don't have to do it anymore and you're gonna retire. And, and it will be a slog. It will be a hard, slow pace for you to get through. And, and there's a risk that you could hate parts of your life. That's possible. It's possible that another choice that you could make is appear to have a high view of work where you're really dedicated to work, you really give yourself to it, but you miss that your work was meant to represent God and instead you attempt to build a name for you and it's about getting stuff. It's about all kinds of things. You can quickly use work to determine what your identity is, what your worth is. You can become a workaholic because that's where your value is placed in and it seems like you have a high view of work because you're working all the time. But really, it's an unhealthy, low view of work. You could, do, um, you could do this. I've seen this. I think it's fascinating to me. You could appear to have a low view of work, but then use it in a unique way. I've seen this um, with a bunch of people who, who say, listen, I don't know that I'm ever gonna be passionate about my job. It's not the thing that makes my heart beat really fast, but I've made enough money at this that it affords me the opportunity to do things that are really important in God's kingdom. I've seen guys build mission organizations using this model. They don't love what they were doing. No, he was like selling Aflac insurance. It's like, it doesn't, doesn't make my heart beat fast. I know I'm helping people, but this that it affords me to do, this is what I love, and people have done that. And again, their view of work was, I'm using this in a way that will honor God, and although it doesn't, necessarily give meaning to me, I'm, I'm using it. Or you can do what I, I'm hoping that you'll consider is the fourth option. That you would start to understand that the work that you do, and I mean that broadly, the thing that you do that brings value into the world, that we give a lot of our energy and effort to, whether it's going to school, whether it's staying at home with kids, whether it's volunteering, maybe you're retired and you don't have a job, but there's still work that's to be done serving somebody, or it might be a role that you have, a job that you have, that having that opens up an opportunity for you to honor God. The question is, I mean, with all of these options, how do you get there? How do you get to a place where you don't settle for a low view of work and you do some things that allow you to experience like deep meaning and purpose in the work that you do? Uh, before you decide which one of those choices you should make, I, I want you to hear me out today because I think, I think there's another component to work that I think is worth understanding, uh, that God... Uh, made this a part of the process. And as we go through it today, we're, we're gonna look at um, this piece that we're gonna add in. And in the process of looking at it, we're gonna look at three things that God says, man, if you would make these conscious decisions along this journey, you have the ability 
to move the work that you're in from a low sense of work of not having much meaning to something that's purposeful for your life. So um, that's, that's where I want to kind of head today, and I'm hoping that we can get there. Now, the, the problem with what I'm about to share with you is it's going to seem crazy. Uh, for some of you, you may hear what I have to say, and you may actually think, I'm not sure if that's even right. But I'm going to ask you just to um, hear me out the whole way. I'm going to ask you to go and spend some time in the scriptures that I'm going to talk about. Uh, uh, pray about it. Let the Holy Spirit either confirm or cause you to be uncomfortable with what's said here. I think um, I've done a lot of that work myself, but I, I'd love for you to go put yourself before the Holy Spirit on this. But here's what I'm going to tell you. One of the reasons... God has made you a person who works and wants you to work with a sense of purpose and meaning is because he desires to come alongside you and join you in your work. He has the desire to do that. Now, I know how crazy that sounds because um, when we often think about this, we think of, well, shouldn't we go work alongside what God's interested in? Yeah, I, th I think both things are there. If you're stuck right now and you're really not sure what to do with your life, why don't you look around, spend a lot of time praying and figuring out where's God at work, and then go join that. That, that would engage you. That would get you going. And I think there's a process where that's part of your thinking all the time. Where's God at work? Where can I join him? But there's, it seems very clear in the scriptures to me that there's another side of this it, when it comes to work. When it comes to you being created in the image of God, given the responsibility to go and work, to subdue, that sometimes God's the one who leads you, and sometimes God gives you the opportunity to lead. You're the one who steps out. You're the one who takes a risk, and God gets fired up about that and comes alongside you. I think both of these things are possible. And I, though I understand how insane that might sound, I, I wanna walk you through some text, okay? And we're gonna get to a place where we're gonna look at a bigger story where I think it's clear. Um, but in Psalm chapter 90, verse 17, this is a psalm that's attributed to Moses. And uh, the last verse of that text says, may the favor of God, our God, rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. It's repeated twice, almost like he's having to convince people that this is an okay thing for him to say. That this, I'm gonna do some work, and God, I want you to establish what I'm about to do. I want you to be a part of this sort of thing and kind of inviting them into it. Uh, now, people have looked at this kind of stuff, and they've said, well, listen, the only reason God would come alongside you and join you is because God gave you the idea in the first place. And I would say, technically, that's correct. Technically, God made you in his image. He made you a creative being who builds. And when you act on that, you're acting in line with who God made you to be. So that comes from God. But the responsibility of those decisions, those are with you. And you can make good decisions and you can make bad decisions. And we know we can make bad decisions because in Genesis 11, they were giving all the tools they were given all the tools, created in the image of God, given clear direction and instruction, and went in the opposite direction. 
And we wouldn't look at that situation and say, ah, God did that, he's responsible for their bad decision. No, he, he gave them the structure to operate in. They were responsible, they made a bad decision. He gives you a structure to operate in, which means you can make good decisions, decisions that honor God. Now, we're gonna look, um, we're gonna look at a specific situation in the text here. And it stems from this idea uh, I talked to you about last week about how God was a builder, that he gave directions for the tabernacle, six and a half chapters of very specific directions of how he wanted this structure built. He said, I want it built this way. He gave nine chapters of how he wanted it used. God had a plan and he was executing the plan. Uh, and we talked about goals last week. Well, in order to have goals, you have to have some other things in place that work effectively. What's interesting is that it appears what gets built after this, the temple, doesn't come from God. It's not his idea. It appears to come from man. And a lot of people have looked at this. Uh, I've done a lot of reading as I'm leading up to this, and a lot of them have concluded um, that David was in disobedience to God because it wasn't God's idea. But I want you to see in the text how God responds to that, what gets said, and I, I think you're gonna have a hard time concluding that that's the case. I don't know if we were able to collect, uh, correct the slide or not. I had it wrong, but we're in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 2. Um, and uh, David's had this idea, and he's gonna present it to the prophet who's um, operating at this time, Nathan. Uh, Nathan represents God to David, speaks um, God's mind. And he says to Nathan the prophet, here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of God remains in a tent. The ark of God had the 10 commandments in it. It was a kind of a sacred thing for the nation of Israel. And David was looking around at this huge palace he had built for himself. And he got this idea, why am I living in something this great and God's spending time in a tent, right? And so um, Nathan replies to him, whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it. Uh, I don't know if we put up the slide of the temple. Can we do that? What he had in mind was this. Instead of a temporary thing that would move up and down, they would build something out of stone. It was really ornate. It had all kinds of stuff to, in it. Uh, gold, stones. Um, it, it was pretty incredible. It would have uh, made the temple, or made the tabernacle in size. It was bigger than that. It was more elaborate than that. And this is the idea that David had. And um, some would say, no, David had this idea because God gave it to him, but I want you to see what gets said in 2 Samuel verse seven because I don't think it's true. This is, what, this is what happens. God says this. God is now speaking about this whole temple project. Wherever I have moved with all of the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers who I commanded to shepherd my people Israel? In other words, look, I've had a lot of people watch over Israel. Moses, Joshua, judges, priests, prophets, kings even. 
And not to one of them have I ever breathed the word of this. Look at what he says. This is what I've never said to any of those people. Why have you not built me a house of cedar? It wasn't God's idea. David wasn't looking into the past and going, oh, these kings have been asked by God to do something. They just have been stubborn and not done it. And now I'm finally acting on it to get it done. No, it was nothing that God had brought up. This was something that came from the mind of David. And so the question would be, well, was God for it or against it? Well, you can start to see that based on his understanding that David was trying to honor him, he turns around and he says this about his response to David's family. Verse 12, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. You want to honor me by building a temple like that? I'm going to honor you by establishing your family. And it goes, it goes even further. Verse 13 says, he is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. He does this forever by bringing Jesus, Jesus through the lineage of David. But, but God's response to David's heart in all of this is that I'm gonna respond back to you and say, wow, I can't believe you're choosing to think of me in this way, so I'm gonna honor your family. Can I just tell you, I've not found one, one time yet in the scriptures where somebody or a group of people are being disobedient to God and God steps up and says, I think I should honor you for that. Didn't happen. I think there's a positive response to what's happening here. Why? Because David gets the first part of making our work meaningful and purposeful. Like you're a creative being who builds. So what do you need next? The right motive. It's the right motive. David's motive becomes clear over and over and over. It shows up in the text. In 1 Chronicles chapter, one, or chapter 29, verse 1, it says, Then King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, whom the one, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great because this palatial structure is not for man but for the Lord God. And you will find him saying that over and over and over throughout this section of scripture. What I'm doing is for the benefit of God. It wasn't about David building a name. It wasn't so that he could be known. It wasn't about him making his kingdom established. He had at the core of his heart this desire to honor God with this project. And when God found out, understood that that was at the core of who David was for this project. God got excited about it. God said, hey, go ahead. Through the prophet Nathan, go ahead, do it. The Lord's with you. Now, um, I think this is interesting to me because it just leads us to this question. What motivates you when you go and do your work each day? What, if, what motivates you when you go to do your schoolwork? What motivates you when you show up at your job or maybe your job is doing chores at home? What's your motivation for that? Is it just to get through it and get to the other side? 
Or have you started to think that it's possible that you could honor God by the way you choose to do that, by the way you run your business, by the decisions that you make with your coworkers, by how you respond to your family? Like all of that becomes an opportunity on which you can honor God with. You get the motive right, and all kinds of good things happen after this. In fact, I would say um, because David gets the motive right, the second part of this, which we see in 2 Samuel 7, starts to take off. Um, David shared the idea. He actually risked saying out loud, I'd like to do this. He did not know at the time that he said that if God was gonna say, go ahead or don't do it. But he took the risk anyway. He said, this is what I have in my mind to do. What do you think? From what I can tell, uh, we, are, we are not a culture who likes to share our ideas with other people because we risk the rejection that they may have. Uh, can I just say, uh, if, if you're an influencer of other people, a parent, um, a boss, um, an aunt or uncle, like you're in a place where you can influence somebody else's life, you should take that ability to hear ideas from somebody and find a way to fan it really seriously. Uh, we were in the car yesterday and um, driving home and we, we call people when we do that because, you know, what else are we going to do with our time? And so we were talking with one of our kids, and he kind of shared this idea that he had. And when I hear big ideas, I go to the big picture. And almost immediately, I started saying, what about this? What about this? And, like, you got to solve these big things. And, and I looked over, and Chase was like, <laughs> I was like, what? She's like, don't shut him down. Don't shut him down. And I was like, I'm not trying to shut him down. I'm actually excited about his idea, but I want him to have to solve these other things if he's gonna get to it. He's gotta, he's gotta start thinking about all this stuff. She's like, no, not yet. Like, you're, and, and she's right. Like, there's a place for my kind of help. But people like me have to be careful because we could be very quick to shut down the idea that is birthed in somebody. And God made them a creative being so you would expect for ideas to be generated. And as they're generating ideas, if you shut them all down, they quit. Why would I come up with an idea that could honor God? Look, the motive's big. I think if you have questions about, are you doing this to honor you or honor God? Are you building a name for you or building a name for God? That's great kind of stuff. But after that, Finding a way to fan that a little bit makes a ton of sense. My, my wife's really good at this. Uh, two months ago, I went to her with an idea, and I prefaced it because I knew it was crazy. I prefaced it by saying, I know what I'm about to say is crazy. And if anybody else asked me if they should do this, I would tell them no. But I think I've thought through this and I think we should take the risk, right? She's like, okay, what's your idea? And I laid it all out. I laid it all out. And this is what she said. This is a terrible idea. <laughs> right? And then she said, but. She said, but. 
Um, by the way, um, one of the reasons that we sometimes have a hard time generating ideas is because we haven't yet accepted that 99 out of 100 of our ideas are terrible ideas that shouldn't be done. But you have to do the other 99 to get to the last one that you would do. That's why it's so important. It's kind of the creative process that exists. So I, I, was, I didn't know if I was in one of the 99 or that 100, right? It's a terrible idea, but said you kind, I kind of made a decision a long time ago that I would hitch my wagon to yours. And, um, and I understand the motive that you have behind this, and that I'm on board with all the way. The rest of it scares me to death. I'm not into that. But here's the thing. I'll go with you on this. And if it succeeds, um, we did it together. And if it goes down in flames, I'll go down in flames with you together. That's a whole lot different than, yeah, that's a terrible idea, end of discussion. I've done that with people before where it just kind of ends. I, I, I actually, I, I mended what we did just a little bit, but I took the risk. Why? Because I, I had a partner who decided she was on board with me and we were gonna go for it and if it works, there's gonna be an opportunity for us to do some things that we think would honor God. And so we, so we did that. It's kind of, it was one of our long-term kind of goals. But ideas have to be generated. And we're creative beings. And oddly enough, we don't have kind of thinking that encourages that sort of thing. But from what I can tell, God's okay with it. He's okay with you generating ideas, especially when they're set in the motivation of honoring him. He'd love to hear what you have to think. Say it out loud. Do you, by the way, do you have somebody who's a fan flamer in your life? They don't say yes to everything, but they don't immediately say, no, you're crazy. And if you don't have that, you should go looking. And if you could be that for somebody, you should seriously consider it. Now, here's the thing. The last one, it's big. It happens with David. If you get the motives right, you have an idea. God got behind the motive and the idea. I was all excited about it, but then here's number three. You have to decide to hold that idea loosely in your hand. Uh, because what's happening, like if this, if this works the way I, I think it works, what I'm seeing in the scriptures here, is that when you have an idea and God joins you, what you just got was the wisest being in the universe partnering with you. Why would you not listen to the direction and instruction why would you not adjust course if God said, yeah, I love the idea, but I really think it should be done this way? I, I think it's one of the reasons sometimes work doesn't have a high level of purpose and meaning for it because it's our way or the highway. And if it changes at all, we get frustrated by that change. And from what I can tell, God loves to partner, but he loves to adjust. He wants you to take this thing that you've done 
and hold it loosely. By the way, I feel this way almost every time I walk up here on stage. I do a lot of prep. I do a lot of praying. I do a lot of reading. I do a lot of stuff before I get to this point. And I've accepted that when I come up here, that what God allows to come out of me, he intended. And there have been days I've gone home and I was like, I forgot whole sections. Like, you all got ripped off, right? Except I've concluded that if God didn't want me to remember that, I'm gonna accept that. And instead of feeling like a failure, I'm just gonna go and do it the next week. Because I, I, I put a lot of work into it, but it's his to adjust. It's his to adjust. This happens to David. I'm gonna take you to a section of scripture where he's gonna kind of summarize this. This is 1 Chronicles 22.7. David said to Solomon, my son, I had it in my heart to build a house for the name of the Lord my God. He's got the motives, he's got the idea. Verse eight, but this word of the Lord came to me. You have shed much blood, have fought many wars. You are not to build a house for my name because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. David, I love your motivation. I love your idea. I'm behind you 100%, but I'm gonna adjust this thing and you're not gonna build it, your son is. I cannot find in the scriptures where David has an ounce of bitterness that he expresses over this. Because his motivation all along was that he would honor God by the way he would go about doing this. This idea was to honor God. If God wanted to change it or adjust it, fine. David um, collects all the stuff that goes in it. He designs all the plans. He has all the people ready to go, but he doesn't build the temple. Still gets built, just not the plan that he had in mind. And, and this is the difficult part, right? This is the difficult part. Um, you get all fired up, but with God, you've gotta be willing to allow it to be adjusted. So let me just ask you this. Why are you going to work? Why do you go to school? Why do you do the chores at home? What motivation are you carrying? Because your motivation is everything. See, if you get that motivation right, then let me ask the next question. When was the last time you had an idea that could make what you were doing more honoring to God? At home, at work. It would be more honoring to your coworkers. It would be kind and show love to them. What, what was, maybe you had an idea to improve the process. And that's subduing things even better. Like it's gonna, it's gonna honor God by doing this better. When was the last time you had an idea that you shared with somebody? And if you have those, do you have the courage to present your idea to God as he comes alongside you and says, I really want to adjust that. It's not about you. It's about my kingdom. I want to take this from your hand and use it in a different way. I'm telling you right now, if you're willing to make those kinds of choices and decisions at whatever work you do, you can adopt a high level of work or a high view of work 
where it has purpose, meaning, and value to your life. And it becomes exciting because the almighty creator of God wants to show up with you at your place of work, where you add value to the world. And it's a way that you get to experience God in a a way that you wouldn't any other way, at work, what you're doing, like displaying your creative ambition and the building that God made you to do. Why do you go to work? When was the last time you had an idea? Are you willing to hold those loosely to honor God? Let me pray with you. God, it's quite a contrast when we think of the song that we started with that people feel like they go into these roles, this work that we do, and the best that they can come up with is, man, I just hope I don't drown. I wish I could just keep my head above water. And that would be good enough. I would take that. But God, you have a, you have a bigger idea that we would look at the work that we do as an opportunity to honor you, to represent you in the world. And when we have the right motive to bring honor to you, to your kingdom, to build your kingdom and not ours, we, we could do a lot of damage in this world. We could do damage at our workplace. We do damage on the teams we want to. When I mean damage, I mean really reveal the kingdom of God in this world. God, I ask that as we um, start making motive choices that you would reignite in all of these creative beings here that you you made them this way, but I ask that you would reignite ideas. Like help them to find people to talk to. Like, hey man, I'm, I'm thinking about honoring God this way. I think my life could be used this way. I think he's giving me these gifts and I wanna do this. What do you think? God, and I ask you would give us the courage to fan the flames of each other. And then God, I ask that you would give us the courage to hold out our hand and say, I know it's my idea, but if you've come alongside me, I take your wisdom, I take your adjustments, and I want you to be honored by the way I choose to live. God, I ask that you would take this work that we have as an offering to you and use it to advance your kingdom in the world. I ask for that in Jesus' name, amen.